Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father, we've had just such a blessed time in worship. We thank you so much, Lord, for the songs we can bring before you and express, Lord, the deep intents of our hearts and desires of our hearts, Lord. And we're so appreciative of you, God, how that in this past year you've just been just amazing in so many ways to answer prayer, to go before us, to, uh, Lord, work in lives and change lives and, and, and lift people up, Father, bring healing. We just thank you. We praise you, Lord. We are humbled in your presence. We pray, Lord, you be with us now, Father, as we settle into your word, as we talk about it, as we share about it, as we meditate upon it, Lord, that you would just fill our hearts to overflowing, Father. For that's the type of God you are, an awesome God, an awesome God. Be with us now. We give you all glory, praise, and honor. Let your words, these words be from you, Lord, and not from this foolish old farm boy. Lord, be glorified, be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I couldn't break tradition. Pastors always started his sermon off lately with a couple of, of uh, jokes or stories or cartoons. This one I thought was appropriate because how many of you have made your resolutions this year? You know, you want to be careful. Don't be careful about asking somebody else about their resolutions. You know, uh, they might not want to change. The other thing that come to mind is is this next one. I don't know how many of you get overwhelmed with all the cell phone advertisements and stuff. You know, I praise God. We've got we've got communication, a wireless communication that doesn't cost us anything. It's always a hundred percent coverage. We're never a dead spot. You know, I just thank God we've got prayer. Amen. Amen. It's so good. I appreciated that one. Well, today I want to share with you and go back, and you've probably already reviewed in your uh, book uh, about Max Lucado sharing about in the manger and all that, that God has done and wants us to see in that whole event, in that whole time period, you know, of, of all that God did and open our eyes so that we can see a glimpse of His majesty. I thought that's such an awesome title for this last session, getting us ready to move into the new year. I better put my glasses on because I can't see. It's fun getting old. My classroom, my class, my men in my class have experienced the last few um, months here about me having trouble hearing. They have to repeat themselves a lot. I tried hearing aids and all that did was help me listen to the classrooms down the hall for me and I couldn't hear the guys in my room. So it's been kind of frustrating. I finally gave up on them for a little while. I kept having to dig those little rubber things on the end of your hearing aid that you stick in there to block it so you can hear. They kept coming off. So I had to keep digging them out of my ears. So I finally gave up, and I'm going to let the audiologist come up with something better, some better plan. A glimpse of his majesty. You know, I, I looked up all sorts of definitions of majesty, and, you know, you, you, can, you know, dictionaries, you can find tons of stuff, tons of stuff. Finally, I just turned to Kathy, my wife, and I said, how would you define majesty? How would you define majesty? Of course, she's just, she has such insight, just 
constantly amazes me. She said, well, it's all inspiring. All inspiring. When you, when you think of the majesty of God, there's just everything about God is, is inspiring and lifting you up. And Excuse me here. When I get to talking or eat, my nose starts running. All inspiring. I think that I think that uh, Max Lucado wanted to raise us from the mediocrity of life. You know, we get kind of in a rut and, and we go from day to day and we miss all the miraculous things that's going on around us. Have you noticed that? You know, if you slow down and just start to look where God is working around you, you slow down and you look at all the marvelous things around us. Your heart just kind of wants to get break out and praise, doesn't it? You know, you stop for a minute and you think about that flower. You stop for a minute and 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 look at the sunrise. You stop for a moment and you and you look at creation. You look at a new baby newborn. You look at families, how how God designed that and put it together, and how marvelously it works. And then we stand in awe because that's glimpses of His Majesty. Glory, His plan, our very existence, the very earth we stand on, everything about it is God's attempt to, to share with us His glory, His majesty, His power, and His excellence, and His love. So I think Max Lucado is trying to bring us up out of the mundane, the stuff we just take for granted every day, and, and lift us up. Lift us up so we can see the glory of God. Lift us up. Think about seeing. You know, I, I, I was in I've been in medicine for forty over forty some years in different areas of medicine. And of course when you talk about the, the five senses, the first thing, you know, I think medically. Well your eyes, you know, and how you see and all this stuff. But you see here in the in Max Lucado's study that we went through and you you noted it too, that he's asking you to look with spiritual eyes, not just physically look at it. Because, you know, you miss so much. But look with spiritual eyes upon what's happening. What's happening in the Christmas story. What's happening in your life. What's happening every single day of your life. It's a perception of spiritual things. Of truths. Of scriptures. Even of people sometimes. He's talking about the senses. And the spiritual application of because, you know, how would you explain this verse, Psalms 34, 8? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Now, you say, well, taste? How do you taste of the Lord? How do you see the Lord? Well, you, you, you think about how that when you want to try something new, you, you taste it first, right? And that's what's God's invitation here. He says... You know, I'm open. You come and you test me. You try me out. I'm here. I'm all for you. You come and you taste that the Lord is good. He's faithful. He's faithful. His promises are always sure. He wants to prove himself to you. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So we see how that, that the scriptures and how God uses through scriptures, using our senses to give us a greater depth of insight into him and his ways. 
How many times have you ran across the word behold? Well, to be just for fun, they, they said that there's 1,298 times in the King James Bible where behold is used. What do you think behold means? One guy said, don't miss this. This is something you got to listen to. This is something you got to look at. Behold. Not just see it, but behold and appreciate. Understand. Look deeper. Look deeper in what I have for you here. Behold. Like John said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's a simple man, Jesus. Isaiah says that there was nothing about Jesus that anybody would be excited about him, anybody would be drawn to him. He was just a pretty common man. Pretty common man, not, not handsome, not, not dashing, not, you know, charismatic. He was just a very simple man. John knew something, though. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Does that speak so much? That speaks so much, doesn't it? Max Lucado, he's encouraging us to carefully observe and appreciate all of God and our relationship with Him. I, I beg your 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 uh, intolerance, intolerance, tolerance, that uh, He puts things in such better ways than I can. I, I I really I just want to bring out some of these things that He made this last session and 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 go over them with you, just to how much He speaks and how He's able to take the, the language and use it so beautifully. I can't begin to replicate that, so I'm going to cheat and use him. Max Lucado said, A person can be all that goodness calls him to be and still never see the author of life. Being honest, moral, even religious, hearing what others say about him. But until we see him ourselves... We only may have a hazy form and a gray semi-darkness, a glimpse of His majesty, a word that touches the heart, a verse that comes alive, something that touches your painful spirit as only one sent from God can do. God's working all the time. He's working all the time. He's trying in every way He can to reveal Himself to you and me. He's always doing that. He's always working. He's always doing things around us. God orchestrates encounters with us so many times, maybe multiple times in a day. He will orchestrate where you have a chance and an opportunity to have an encounter with Him. God the Father, Creator of the universe. Jesus, God incarnate, come in the flesh. He orchestrates these encounters, especially if you have time and you take take time in the Scriptures. In the morning, you start off with your devotions and your time in the Word of God. If you pray over that and you say, God, I want to know you, you will find that in those Scriptures, those verses come alive. And you see things in the Scriptures that you didn't realize was there. Beautiful, deep things. Deep things that will change your heart and your soul. See, God wants you to see Him. He wants you to behold Him. And see, once you meet Jesus, you really see Him. Your life's going to be changed. And there He is, Jesus. The man who spoke with such thunderous authority and, who, and loved with such childlike humanity. God incarnate. 
gone is the pomp of religions, dissipated is the fog of theology, lifted is the opaque curtain of controversy and opinion, erased are your own blinding errors and egotism. There he stands, Jesus. The person of Jesus Christ, God in flesh, was the ultimate expression of God's desired relationship with us and ultimate expression of his love for us. He could give no other, no greater. The truth of the spiritual world in which we live comes only through God and the Holy Spirit and through looking at his son and beholding his son and the word of God. You know, we can try in our own efforts to try to figure out this crazy old world and and we really can't come up with a lot of good solutions for it and understanding for it. And if we do, they're usually wrong. Because if you look at the old world, how it's functioning right now, it's really screwed up, isn't it? They left out God. Why would you leave out the creator of the universe and try to come up with why he did it? Why didn't you go to him and say, God, explain to me. Explain to me. We can only know the mind of God by the spirit of God and through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus total, is totally God, totally man, and totally beyond our comprehension. So big, so big. To see the majesty, the all-inspiring nature in the ways of God is something God himself can only reveal to you. And he opens your eyes and opens your heart to see his activity and his ways. We need to learn to live in expectation. Because God is there, anxious to reveal himself to you. He doesn't hide himself. He doesn't make it difficult for someone to come to know him. He doesn't hide his characteristics, his attributes. He doesn't hide his desires for you. He makes it very plain and very clear to you. If we'll seek, seek, seek him out. And there he stands, Jesus. Have you seen him? Those who first did never, never were the same. My God and my my Lord and my God, Thomas said. I have seen the Lord, exclaimed Mary Magdalene. I have seen his glory, declared John. But Peter said, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. All the splendor of heaven revealed in a human body. For a brief moment the doors of heaven opened. God came near, and we've seen his majesty. Our hearts also, spiritually speaking, are impacted with, with all the stuff that we're exposed to. They can become calloused and sensitive. They can be easily manipulated by a world around us. And, but it takes God. It takes God to touch our senses so we have the capacity to believe and to see holy things. And an astounding tandem of human body housed divinity holiness, earthliness, intertwined. This was the Messiah. He called himself divine, yet allowed a Roman soldier to drive nails in his wrists. He sent men into all the world, yet equipped them with only bended knee and memories of the resurrection of a carpenter. His claims were too outrageous to limit him to be just a teacher like Socrates or Aristotle, nor is he just a prophet. His own claims eliminates that possibility. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the knowledge of God and His glory displayed in the face of Jesus. God's work. God's done this for us. And we go on to 2 Corinthians 2.12 and, and what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but we receive the spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. It's a work of God to show you Jesus. It's a work of God to have that all come together. You know, they talk about evangelism and the hardest part about evangelism is getting the person lost. You know that? To get somebody to accept Jesus, the hardest part is to get them where they see the need for Jesus. Because this whole world's got them convinced that they're okay. There's nothing wrong. They're in control. And they don't need God. So it's, it takes the Holy Spirit. It takes prayer. It takes the Word of God to touch that heart. It takes God the Father to open the heart and draw them to come into that relationship. So it's not by accident that you come to know the Lord. It's not by accident that your loved ones come to know the Lord. And, and it's not by accident that those that you're praying for is going to come to know the Lord because it's an act of God. And He's asked us to join in that process. Come join me. Come join me. No longer is pew warming an option. Junk religion can no longer suffice. Sensation seeking is needless. Once you've seen the face of Jesus, you will be changed and long to see it again and again. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord. He says, Just behold me. Just behold my son. Just behold my son. And I'll transform you. Does, doesn't he? If you come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and, and, and really come to know him and see him, you want more and more. You want more and more. Always confounds me sometimes when I run into Christians who don't want to spend time in prayer and don't want to spend time in the Word of God. I said, Have you met my Jesus? Because if you meet my Jesus, you're, you're going to want to spend time with him. You're going to want to behold him. You're going to want to see him. You're going to have a relationship with him. Because my Jesus is so wonderful. My Jesus is so wonderful. We need to exercise our spiritual senses. You know, I didn't realize how complicated simple things can be, but if you look up senses from a theological perspective, your mind will spin. They have spent, theologians and philosophers have spent hours and hours and days and conferences and conferences to tell you what these mean. And you say, what? Why do you make it so complicated? You know, there, there was an account where they had literally conferences, theologians did, about how many angels could be on the head of a pen. What? But they do the same thing with everything, and so we have to back off and we just say, God, you give us understanding. You know, because he takes your senses. How do you know the world in which you live? How do you know what's going on? How do you, how do you perceive that world from your senses? You're basically your five senses. You see. And you know how many ways that the term see can be used and not literally mean with vision? 
It'll astound you. He says, taste and see. Taste and see. You will see and experience more of God's glory and majesty if you open your eyes. If you say, God, show me. Open my eyes to that song, you know. Open my eyes that I might see. All that you have, I don't remember how it goes after that, but remember that part. Open my eyes, God, that I might see. And you will hear the voice of God through the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit. You'll read a portion of Scripture today that doesn't ring any bells, doesn't set off any rockets or anything, but then later on the day or the next day or a day or two after that, all of a sudden that verse will come to you and say, yeah, that's what that meant. Because you'll see it something happen in your life that will bring it to fruition, to, to where it shows you what it meant. Now you can understand God. To hear the voice of God through Scripture and the Holy Spirit, and through those that, that share the Word, the teachers, the preachers, the friends that come to you and share you the good Word of God. And you will taste of the goodness of God. And say, well, how in the world do you taste the goodness of God? It's just one of those things that, you know, you, you sample it, and it's good. It's good. So you want to come back for more, right? You taste something good over Christmas, you didn't stop just with one bite. You know, I can verify that. You know, you, you pursue it. And God says, taste, taste of me. Taste of my goodness. Taste of my ways and find that they're good. And you'll be touched with the reality of God in your life as well. Touched? How are you touched? I think probably everybody here who confesses Jesus has known what it is to be touched by God. Many times, many times you'll be in situations and, and you'll feel actually, I don't want to say literally, but you'll feel in your spirit and your soul that God reaches out and touches you. Letting you know that you're not there by yourself. Letting you know that He can be your power. Just lean on me. Just lean on me. Just lean on me. Touch. You know how wonderful it is to be touched by somebody that loves you? You know, they just show their compassion, you know. Um, this is kind of a hugging church, hugging church and, and, and handshaking church. And, and not too many people stand off and don't interconnect some way and touch them. Touching is a powerful thing that God's given humanity. You can see an awful lot by just touching. Just taking somebody's hand firmly and saying, man, I'm praying for you. Or laying your hand on their shoulder and saying, I'm praying for you. You know, that just, that just permeates your soul with God's love. And you will be touched with the reality of God in your life. And then the next one always confuses people because the sense of smell... One of the first thing you come to is to think of the guy next to you or down the fourth few rows who hadn't taken a bath in a week or two. Yeah, I smell that guy. But Scripture talks about the fragrance of life. For we are an aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance of death to death, and to the other, a fragrance of life to life. thought about that you smelled before God, did you? You had an odor before God. Can you imagine how that breaks his heart when he 
deals with those that have no, no hope, no salvation, no, no relationship with Jesus, how that breaks his heart because he smells of that death that's coming. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. It's appointed that a man wants to die and then the judgment. Death. God doesn't want us to experience that death. He wants us to experience the life, the life of Jesus, the life filled with the Holy Spirit. He says again in Psalms, he says, Let my prayers be counted as incense before you, the lifting up my hands as the evening sacrifice. God loves our prayers because there's a sweet smell, sweet incense that comes up before him. And in Revelation, you remember, he, he talks about the same thing, about the prayers of the saints coming up before him as the sweet incense. Your prayers are valuable to God. God so appreciates prayer. So appreciates prayer. None of this can happen unless you're totally surrendered to Jesus. God calls for a walk with Him that's close and intimate. You know, He's not too interested in having a social relationship with you where, you know, you say hi across the street or you maybe see Him once or twice a year and say, oh, hey, hi, God, I'm here. Now, he wants an intimate, personal relationship with you that's an everyday every minute of that day relationship with you, that he's involved with you in everything. Well, now I thought just God was involved on Sunday when I went to church. No, he's involved with you every single day, and he cares about every single thing about your life. You'd, you'd probably chuckle at me sometimes working in my garage and trying to figure out a, you know, how to fix something because I'll be praying. I'll say, God, you designed it, you created it, show me how to fix it. And you know what he does? He does. Sometimes he tells me, well, sports, you're not smart enough. you got to take it to a mechanic or something. But he fixes it. He knows how it all works. He knows how relationships works. He knows how your body works. He knows how the future and all this stuff. He's, he's got it. He's got it. But he says in Hebrews, he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so clings so closely to us and let us run, run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So we've got to lay aside those things that hinder, those, sides, those things that interrupt our relationship with God. You've got to let go of them. You've got, you got to move them out. You've got to clean out the closets. You've got to get rid of all that stuff that, that hinders your race with Jesus, your run with Jesus. A lot of people try to run with Jesus, and they've got backpacks that's horrendous. They try to drag along all this stuff of the world and all their desires and all their, their wants and, and, and dreams and, and it's just most of it's junk. And they can't figure out why they can't run with freedom because they need to surrender all that to God. Give it to God. Let Him take that load. Let Him take that load. Peter was excited and, and he was he was excited to share with people because in First Peter or Second Peter one, he's telling the folks, "Hey, we didn't follow this cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of His Majesty. We seen Him. We were there. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to Him from the Majesty of Glory, saying, "This is My Son, whom I love. With Him." We ourselves heard this voice that come from heaven 
as we were with him on that sacred mountain. Eyewitnesses of it. Eyewitnesses. And you're not going to talk these guys out of it. They've seen what they've seen, and they, they, they know it was true. They know it was true. You know, Paul's whole focus in ministry was for people to see Jesus. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I come to you, I didn't come with eloquence, human wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I am resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I come to you with weakness and great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And again, we look at this verse and say, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are going to be transformed into that same image, one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord and His Spirit. You know, we got examples in Scripture about people who took time to spend with God and to look upon God. We see David as a prime example. You go over to, Dan, Sam, or to Psalm 63, uh, beautiful, beautiful testimony of David. Spurgeon said that all the primitive Christians were commanded to sing this or to repeat it every single day. It was so full of God's truth. Sorry for the smallness of the print. If you want to look at it, you can turn over in the Bible to 63, 1 through 8. And you, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in the dry and parched land where there is no water. And he knew this personally because he was in the desert of Judea at that time when he was praying this. He was running from Saul. Everything was going against him. Talk about a dry and parched land. I have seen you in your sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory, your majesty. You've been in the presence of God. Because your love, love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with rich foods when with singing my lips my bed I remember you. I thank of you through the watches of the night because you're my help. I sing in the shadows of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Did David have a relationship with God? An intimate relationship with him. He expresses in all these different ways how, how God is so special, how so God is so relevant, how so God, he, he can't live without God. The comfort, the strength, the, the consolence, the, the everything about him. He says, I need Jesus. I need God. I need God. And you, this is why I appreciate so much our worship here and today's worship. Hallelujah. Because through worship and thanksgiving is when we also can see God. Worship and thanksgiving. Even in our own private life, 
you're down, if you're frustrated, if you're discouraged, if you're depressed, start worshiping God. Start worshiping the Lord. Turn some music on or sing or, or repeat a psalm or whatever. You know the devil's going to run. He's going to run. He doesn't like you worshiping God. Worship the Lord. He says, offer the sacrifice of praise. You say, what, what's that mean? You know, a sacrifice costs you something. And when you're down and out and you're frustrated and you don't want to praise the Lord and you praise Him, that's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing the Lord praise. And you know, when you do that, He's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up. Psalms 96 says, I sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and bless His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among the people. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but, but the God we serve, He made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty fill His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring offerings and enter His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Worship is powerful. He calls you to worship. He calls you to that time of spending time with Him. And through the Word we see that, as, as the psalmist wrote too, he says, Open my eyes, I might behold the wondrous things out of Your law. Taste and see. Psalms 1930. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. You catch that? The unfolding of the word, unfolding of the word, gives light. It imparts understanding even to the simple. Well, I can't know God. How do I know God? That's what we have to have. I'm down here. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a, you know, I haven't been in church all that time. Scripture says that if you go to Him and you open His Word, He'll give light and He'll give understanding. If you just go to His Word, just open your heart. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened. You didn't know your heart had eyes, did you? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called. He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance through the saints? You know, all of this comes down to you reaching out to others. You know, God didn't give us all this wondrous, glorious relationship with Him and, and blessings of Him and His presence and, and, and opportunity to see His majesty. He didn't give that just for you. He gave it to you to share. To share. And I always like this part where Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets were also wrote, and Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of there? Nathaniel asked, Come and see, said Philip. 
come and see. Come and see. That's the invitation we need to give our friends and our loved ones. You might, might not believe me. You might not. I, I can't explain it to you. But just come and see. Come with me and see Jesus. Come with me and see Jesus. Come with me to church. Or come with me to Bible study. Come with me. Just as, let me let me just sit down and share with you some scripture. Let me share with what God's doing in my life. You know, people can't argue with your testimony. They can just stand back and either say, "Well, you're crazy," or "God is doing something." You know, we need to be bold in our testimony. We need to be sharing with people what God is doing and how God is actively involved in our lives and how He's real in our lives. Because people get the impression a lot of times we just go to church to be religious. We go to church because we're, it's a family of God. And God has invited us to be part of that family of God and then to be, as part of that family of God, to interact and support and encourage each other. You just thought you'd come to church today to hear great music and somewhat teaching, you know. But you come today to minister to those people around you. You come to love on them. You come today because Jesus wants you to speak into their lives and minister to them because you don't know who's sitting around you. There's people there that might have a great need right now, might be bearing something really hard and horrendous in their life, and they just need somebody to reach out to them. Maybe that's why they're sitting there and why you're sitting there. So you need to be sensitive as you come into the body of Christ, as you come into church. God, how do you want to use me today? How do you want to use me in this fellowship today? Lead me to the people who need a hand, who need, need a touch of love, who, who need me to stop and pray with them. That's what the body's about. That's what God wants us to do. How will we be known as his disciples but by his love? His love. It breaks my heart when somebody can come to church and nobody ever comes up to them and says, Howdy. Or say, Hey, how's it going? Or saying, Hey, can I pray for you? Or, or come on into my Sunday school class. I'm going to put a pitch here. Go into the men's. If you're not in a Sunday school class today, get in a Sunday school class for all of us right now. And, and, and especially the men's group. I'm partial to the men's group. Bob's going to be teaching up there, and he's an excellent teacher. So you make sure you get up there on the second floor, second room on your right, okay, so you can hear. It's a great time to develop fellowship and relationships. You need that. We need that. We all need that. Come. Come and see. Come and see. For God said, let light shine out of darkness. Make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God. Glory. God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the all-surpassing power of God is from God and not from us. God be glorified. Let people see Jesus in me. Let Jesus see. Let people see Jesus in me. That should be our prayers. Because in Galatians it says, "And I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself up for." called us to be a reflection of Jesus, reflection of his majesty. And as the team comes up to finish up in worship today, 
I want you to think about where you're at with God. Where are you at with Jesus? Are you letting Him shine through you? Are you are you inviting people come come see, come see, come see this Jesus I know. Come come into a personal relationship with Jesus. It's easy. Pray for those ones around you, and, and uh, I reckon you're going to sing by yourself, huh? Looks like it. But use this time for reflection. Use this time to stop and think about, God, what is your what is your plan for me? Let me see Jesus. Let me really see Jesus and change me into what you want me to be. You can always come down here. The pastor will be glad to, to pray with you. Others will be glad. To, I think probably most people here will be just glad, thrilled to death to come down and pray with you. If you want to come forward in this song and Accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Or commit your life to Him. Recommit it. Maybe you've been riding the fence and you've just been kind of lukewarm and you don't like yourself, you don't like your relationship. Today's the day to change it. Today's the day to change it, to get, get back in that relationship, to let God build a fire in your heart, to lift you up, that you can behold His majesty. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you so much for your love and your patience with us. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your patience. All the times that, that I've screwed up, Lord, and you've been so patient to put up with me and to love me back, Lord, into fellowship. That's what you desire, to love us back into fellowship, Lord, that we might behold your majesty, behold your power. We thank you, Father. We thank you so much. We worship and exalt you in the holy, blessed name of Jesus. Amen.